God, to be able to serve you. God, to be able to hear from you. God, for you to change our lives. Lord, I just pray, God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know that real touch of a real relationship with you, God, I pray that they would come to know that today. Our desire is that people would come to know Jesus Christ. Lord, that, that they would come to realize that, that Christ exists for us to have life and have it more abundantly. But that is an eternal life. That is an eternal life that you've called us to have. And God, I just pray, Lord, that we would recognize that today. God, thank you so much for how you love us and care for us so deeply. And God, continue to reach out to us, even though we continue to reject you. God, we do love you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Tiff. I have known Tiffany since she was 14 years old. She's come over to my house when she was 14. She's come over with a youth group in senior high, and she wasn't in senior high. She would just come over because she loved us so much. Um, right, Tiff? That's the reason you came over, right? Yeah, my parents worked. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, I didn't have a choice because my parents worked with the youth. Um, anyway... I, you know, I don't, I don't do this much. And all the band members are like, oh, no, is he going to do this to me next week? Is he going to just grab me and hang on to me so I have to stand up here with him? Uh, in these lights, the lights, you know, shining right on you, everybody looking just at you, right? No, you're here, too. <laughs> Look at him. Anyway, so I, I just, the reason I did this is because Tiffany did what I so desire for all of us to do. And that is, she was, she was up here playing. She was part of the band and all that. And God just moved her to go down and pray at the altar with somebody, and she did that. That's what I want all of us to be like. I really do. I want us to be so responsive to the Holy Spirit of God. It does not matter all the other stuff that we think has to happen. We just listen to God, and we do what God says. And I'm just so thankful that Tiffany did that. And I've seen her do that before. As a matter of fact, there was this one particular time. She probably, I don't know if you remember this or not, but we were at Waffle House. And we were sitting there, and I haven't really talked to anybody about the idea of starting a church. I hadn't said anything to anybody, really. I mean, there was a few people, they'd like murmurs or whatever. And so we're sitting there just having a normal conversation. You remember this? Mm-hmm. You do? Yeah. I have a good memory. And <laughs> she looks at me, and she goes, I mean, just out of the blue, we were talking about something else entirely. Out of the blue, she looks at me, and she said, Kenny, if you started a church, I think I would go to it. Yeah. You remember that? You came. You did. (laughs) It's just really cool, man. I'm so thankful that you're here. I love you, Tiff. You can go be seated now. (laughs) Everybody else is like, oh, no, is he going to do that to me sometime? Somebody left their Coke can up here. Anyway, man, you guys must think I am the craziest pastor ever. You're like, I don't know. If I should even be here, I don't know if pastors are supposed to act like that. I don't know. I don't know what pastors are supposed to act like. I just act like me. And God called me to be a pastor. So, I mean, I'm good with that. You know, I'm good with who I am. I'm good with uh, who God's called me to be. I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, I, you know, I do this whole preaching thing because, you know, God called me to do this. This is not necessarily what I enjoy the most. The thing that I enjoy most is one-on-one relationships and talking to people about Jesus. I mean, I, I enjoy just the one-on-one time. That's really what I really enjoy. I do this because God's called me to do this, and I'm grateful for that, you know, but as far as what I enjoy, it's really talking one-on-one to people and developing relationships. That's what I really enjoy, but God has called me to do this. I'm going to be faithful to it. I'm going to be obedient to it because he said for me to do it, um, and, and 
Here's, I got, you know I like to share my pet peeves with you, right? Because I got quite a few of them. You guys have noticed that. Like, there are lots of things Kenny doesn't like, apparently. So, but anyway, so one of them is, is uh, I, I told you, like, before, just not too long ago, that I don't like the words, I can't. I, don't, I really despise the words, I can't. I don't like the words, I can't. Now, you can tell me you're too lazy, or I don't have time, or I ran out of time, whatever. But the I can't words, I don't really embrace those too much. I, I really don't like the words, I can't. The other thing that I really don't like, it kind of goes along with that. It's just straight-out laziness. I don't know another way to put it. I, I, it just kind of bothers me that, 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 you know, we have so many abilities and gifts and things that God has given us and tremendous things that God has blessed us with, and, and we're to be good stewards not only with our finances, but we're supposed to be good stewards. We're supposed to be good managers of our time as well. And I just can't take lazy. Lazy kind of bothers me. It really does. I don't like lazy, it, it, you know, to... To, to not want to do something, man. I mean, it's just, it, it really kind of drives me crazy. Well, as Christians, sometimes we fall into that category. We have faith in Christ, and, and we have a relationship with Jesus, and like, sometimes we go, well, I know I'm supposed to do something. What am I supposed to do? I'm going to give you today one thing that you can do. I, I'm going to give you, like, putting faith in action, and we're going to actually talk about those words in, a, in just a minute. We're going to talk about putting faith in action and doing something. I know that some people are like, I want to do something. I just don't know what to do. As a, as a body of Christ, I don't know necessarily what my calling is. I don't know what I'm, This is something that everybody can do. And this is something probably everybody struggles with. And this is something that probably everybody has this skeleton in their closet somewhere. There, there's something that you can do, believe it or not, to contribute to this body of believers, to help us grow spiritually, to have our minds and our hearts right when we come in here to worship God. There is something every one of us can do. And I don't want us to be lazy about it. You know why we don't do this particular thing? I'm about to tell you what it is, okay? You know why we don't do it? Number one, because it's hard. Oh, no, here we go. <laughs> you ask us to do something hard again, Kenny. I don't know if I'm in on that, man. You ask us to do too many hard things. I don't know. I thought it was supposed to be a simple church. You keep asking us to do simple things that are hard. I don't know if I'm in on that. You didn't put the little tagline in there, simple but hard church. You didn't put that in there, you know what I mean? So it's hard. And it requires us to do things we don't want to do. That's what makes it hard. It's just because you don't want to, right? But then it also requires some effort. It requires, it requires you to actually actively do something. Everybody's like, man, what is it, Kenny? If you really want to contribute to the spiritual health and well-being of this body of believers, you know what you can do to do that? Come into this place with forgiveness in your heart. Oh, really? Yes. There, you know what, you know what, you know what probably is one of the biggest hindrances as we are, are believers as you come into this place and start worshiping. You know what the, one of the biggest hindrances to the Holy Spirit of God probably is? Knowing everybody, you know, is human in here. One of our biggest hindrances it's probably the fact that we walk in with bitterness in our hearts towards somebody or, or some situation and we're, we don't have forgiveness in our hearts when we walk through the door. That's probably one of the biggest hindrances we have. It's really not any the other stuff that, you, that you're thinking necessarily. It's probably bitterness. It's probably unforgivingness. It, that's probably what it is. The fact that we don't come in here with a, with a gentle heart, one that is, that is ready that is ready to hear what God has to say to us because we have forgiveness in our hearts. Now, we like to be on the receiving end of forgiveness, do we not? 
Like, we want everybody to forgive us. We want, like, if we screw up, we do something bad, we want everybody to just say, it's okay, man. I love you anyway. It's all right. Look, I know you didn't mean to. I know you got a good heart, and you just messed up, and it's all right, and, and, and I forgive you. We want to be on the receiving end of that all the time. When it comes to the grace of God, we want to be on the receiving end of that, don't we? Man, give me grace. I need grace. God, I need grace. I mean, if you look at my life, I just need God to forgive me. I, more than anything else, man, I am so jacked up. I just need God to say, man, I forgive you. I love you. I want you to be with me. I want you to be part of my family. I need that desperately. We want to be on the receiving end of it so desperately. But when it comes to somebody hurting us, somebody turning their back on us, somebody walking out on us, somebody talking about us, whatever the case may be, we don't necessarily want to be so forgiving, do we? We don't, I mean, somebody has stolen from us. Somebody's taken something from us. You go, man, there's no excuse for being a thief. There's no, there's no excuse for being that way, man. You took something from me. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I, I don't deserve anything. I really don't. I, there's nothing, I, everything I got is because God gave it to me. I, I don't deserve anything. I got no sense of entitlement in my brain whatsoever. If God took it all away tomorrow, I recognize, man, I didn't have it to begin with. It was all his to begin with. And I'm okay with that. I wouldn't be happy. I'm not saying I'd be happy. I may be tears, but I'm just saying what I got is because God gave it to me. I'm not entitled to anything. And a lot of times the reason we're lazy is because we have this sense of entitlement. This so-and-so owes me this, or I, I'm entitled to this. And, and the reason is, is because I've earned it, man. No, the reason you got what you got is because God gave it to you. God gave it to you. I, I think, man, so many times we're, we're so unwilling to forgive because we, we think we did something. We think we did something to earn it, and, and, and we're just unwilling to forgive people for what they've done to us. And, and, and we just walk into this place with an unforgiving heart, and I'm like, man, this is a place we're supposed to be the most like Jesus. This is a place where we're supposed to be most Christ-like is when we come in here to worship together and, and we're bringing all that garbage in here with us. We're bringing all that junk in here and we're trying to pile worship on top of that. And we got to get rid of that stuff. We got to empty ourselves before we come in here, man. We'd say we want to get filled up, right? Everybody says, I want to come to church. I'm going to get filled up for this week so I can press on. Well, you can't get filled up because you got too much junk you're bringing in the door. And Kenny, you're talking about those places in my heart I don't like to talk about. Those people hurt me really bad, and I'm not real happy about that. I just go, well, I didn't say it. God did. God knows what's best for you. I don't. I ain't got a clue what's best for you. God does. I can tell you what God says about it. And I, I'm telling you, if you really want pure joy and you really want to be released from all that stuff, you gotta do, you got to be active in that, too. you got to let your, your faith in action take hold, and you got to actually do something. You can't just sit there on your butt and expect... You know, it's just going to happen to me. I came to church, Kenny. What do you want, man? I got dressed in everything, you know? Like, we had to eat breakfast 15 minutes early to get here. And I'm like, well, man, we had breakfast here. You could have just ate here. It's all good. But there are two kids I had to get ready. I, like, they had to have clean butts before they came in here because I knew I couldn't bring any smelly kids in here. And I'm like, man. If that's all you did to get ready for worship today, man, that's awfully lazy. That's awfully lazy. I, I, get up, I get up 
before 5 a.m. usually on Sundays, almost every Sunday, I can't think of when I haven't done that, but I get up before 5 a.m. They're like, man, Kenny, we got our own building now. What are you getting up so early for, man? You don't have to come and do stuff here. And I'm like, no, I have to get my heart ready. Uh, that, that takes a while. Because I know how messed up I am, and I, I know how long it's going to take for me to, to get my mind right. I have to be able to get my heart ready and prepare myself to come in here to worship God, to connect with God so I can talk to you about what God says. I have to take some time to do that. And my wife knows that I'm crazy about this, like crazy obsessive about it, and I'll just drive. I mean, I'll get in my car, and I'll be talking to God, and we'll be fighting it out or whatever. And I'm like, God, I got to be ready to go and, and talk to these people about what you've told me to tell them. It's going to take me a minute. God, just whatever you got to do to rip it out of me. And the number one thing I always have to deal with before I come into this place and get ready to tell you what God has said to me, number one, it's always some kind of bitterness some kind of something I've got against somebody, something I'm, somebody I'm not really willing to reach out to because of something that I've got against them. It's always like, it's this, it's this struggle with me going, man, I got to come in here with forgiveness, but I don't want to. And God just, he shows me, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. When I get up at 5 a.m., I'm not saying that I'm some kind of spiritual giant or something because I get up at 5 a.m. on Sunday. I'm just telling you, it takes me a while to get spiritually ready to come into this place. And I don't, want to be, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be spiritually lazy. I want to do something. I really do. So what can we all do? We can learn to have a heart of forgiveness. And that's what we're talking about. In this one-part series, man, Philemon, it's not Philemon, in case you're wondering. Uh, it's not P. Heilman. It, that's, that's not it. It's, it's Philemon, Recon reconciliation through forgiveness. And this is kind of a, a weird book, like, man, somebody's like, where is that? You know, I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's only like two pages, you know. I mean, it could fit on one page, depending on your Bible. Mine is, I got a little stuff at the beginning, so it, it kind of goes into the next page. But it really could fit on one page. And, and we, we really probably should have just made a copy of it, passed it out to everybody or whatever, so you could take it home. When you find it in your pocket, you'll go and read it later on this week. But it's kind of a weird book. It's a, it's a letter written to a dude about the fact that he's got a, a, a runaway slave that Paul's sending back to him and he's asking him to forgive him. I, I, I'm actually going to start, Keith, in verse 4. It, the first three verses are good, but there's a few names in there I don't like to pronounce because I'm not Greek, so we'll start in verse 4. I always thank God. I always thank my God. I don't, don't leave out that. I always thank my God. He's my God. Whenever I read that, man, I'm like, the my is so important in there. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon. Because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and, and your love for all of God's people. And I, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. So Paul, he, he's... About to talk to a guy about forgiveness, reconciliation. That's, that's a big churchy word, reconciliation. To be reconciled. We like to be reconciled with Christ is, is what a lot of people like to say. To be reconciled, to be in reconciliation just means to be in agreement with. You know, like husbands and wives always are. To be in agreement with, right? To be, to be in agreement together. And, and to be reconciled to God is to be in agreement with God. And here he's going to talk to Philemon about reconciliation. And he, 
He starts out by talking about how they, they, are, they are brothers, you know. That, that, that me and you, Philemon, we, we are connected through God. That, that you and I were both adopted into this family. And, man, we are brothers in Christ. And he says, man, I want, I want you to think about just how, how much you have. And he says, I want you to actually put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. To put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Notice he doesn't say it comes from you. Generosity doesn't come from you. It comes from your faith. So let me, let me share this with you. If, if, if you're a Christ follower and you're like, well, Kenny, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to be reconciled to somebody? How am I supposed to be in agreement with somebody? How am I supposed to reach out to somebody and forgive them when they've hurt me so bad? Well, you can't. It ain't you. It comes from your faith. You're trusting in God. You may actually say this, and I'm good with you saying this in a prayer. God, I cannot be reconciled to this person, but I know through you I can. God, I don't have the ability to be okay with this person and be able to forgive them, but I know that through you, because you forgave me, that I'm called to forgive them, and that is the only way I can be reconciled is through my faith in you. If I've got faith that I can be made right with you by your son Jesus Christ dying on a cross for me, and I put my trust in that, and I have faith in that, then surely I can have faith in the fact that you can bring me together with somebody I don't even like. Surely if I can have faith in what God has done for me, and I know all my garbage, I know how awful, nasty, filthy I am, and God made me perfectly righteous through his son Jesus Christ. I, surely if I can believe in that, then I can forgive so-and-so for stealing something from me. Surely to goodness, somebody that, that stabbed me in the back or hurt me. Or, and I know everybody's like, man, Kenny, don't we talk about this like every week? Yeah, there, it's a very common theme throughout the, the New Testament in particular that, you know, in order for you to be forgiven, you have to be able to forgive. It's a very common thing, and that's the reason we talk about it a lot. And here, I mean, it's covered up in the New Testament. You can't avoid it. And here, Paul's talking to this dude, Philemon, and he's saying, man, he said, <laughs> he says, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you experience, you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love, man, he's kind of stroking his ego a little bit here, admittedly. He says, your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness is often refreshed in the hearts of God's people. He, he, he's saying, man, I, I'm hearing about you. I'm hearing about your love and how loving you are. And, he, you know, anytime somebody talks about how loving you are and how, how gracious you are and how they're praying for your generosity and all that, you know that they're setting you up for, to ask something, right? Like somebody starts to stroke your ego, talking about, man, I know you're a loving person. So here, let me talk to you about something, right? You know how that goes. I, I mean, if I were to go up to one of you and go, hey, buddy, um, man, I know how forgiving you are. Can I talk to you about something for a minute? What would you be going? Man, what did you do? What did you do? I know you did something. You might as well go ahead and spill it right now. I, don't, I know you did. You're talking to me about how loving and generous and kind I am. What did you do? So Paul, he's like all of us, man. He really is. He's, he's short and bald and he ain't really pretty. Uh, he's like more, some of us more than others, but yeah, he, he's like all of us. He says, that is why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. He's asking you for a favor. Now, 
I love this is the way this is the way Christians talk, right? Now Paul's like like super Christian, obviously, you know, like he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He gets that title. I don't really get that title. I didn't read, write, write any of the New Testament, so I don't get that title, but he, he like, I'm boldly asking you for a favor. That means, hey, man, I ain't playing. You know what I mean? Like in 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 the, I don't know, in the Kenny translation, I suppose, hey, 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 dude, I ain't playing. He says, I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do. He's like, what? As Christians, we can make demands on people? Look, look at what he's demanding him to do. And this is, you know, and people are like, well, Kenny, you make demands on me all the time. Well, only hopefully if it meets this criteria. How is he demanding? He said, I could demand. I'm not going to, but I could, just so you know. If you're a Christ follower, I could make you do it in the name of Christ, but I'm just asking you for a favor. And he says, he says I could demand it from you. He says, because it is the right thing. Because it's the right thing for you to do. I could demand it because doing the right thing is what's commanded of us as followers of Jesus Christ. I could demand it, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to ask you for a favor. But in case you were wondering, it's the right thing. Boy, Paul's so subtle, right? He really is, man. But, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. So he's like flip-flopping back and forth. I could demand, but I'm not going. I'm just going to simply ask you, consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. He's, he's plugging his heartstrings a little bit here at Midley. He's like, dude, I ain't got much time left. I'm in prison because of Jesus and preaching Jesus' gospel. I'm in prison, and I'm an old man. Just do me a favor. Now, some of us do that. I, I, I know. I know. I, I tell Cassie this all the time. Like, look, I don't have much time left. You might want to just, you might want to just make up your bed for one time. I, I, I don't know how much time I got left. This is, so he finally gets down to it. Ten verses in, he gets, he gets down to what he's asking. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. Yeah, it happens to be one of the Greek words I can't pronounce. I became his father in faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. Now, Paul's done a little play on words, and I don't really want to get into it so much, but, but like it's, it's the whole idea of not being useful versus being useful. And, and, and Paul's like, well, you know, he, let me go on to read. I'll, it explains more. I want to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news. But he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help me help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that he could have, have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more, more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more uh, to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So he was a slave to Philemon. Onesimus was a slave to Philemon. And, and, and see, I, I'm sure that, 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 that probably this dude, he's run away. And maybe he's even stolen something. There's an indication there that he's stolen something from Philemon. And, and Paul's trying to say here, he's trying to say, man, you thought that he was useful to you before. 
As a slave, he was physically useful to you. He would do stuff around the house. He would take care of whatever you told him to. You thought that he was useful to you. But he became a brother in Christ. He, he became somebody that, that is a, a Christ follower. He became a Jesus follower. He became a Christian. And this, let me tell you something. When we talk about forgiveness, it goes double for people that are Christians. Okay? It really does. I mean, like, we're supposed to forgive people that aren't Christians, and there's no doubt about that. But when, when, when people, people are Christians, when they're Christ followers and they're doing their best, and they're trying to do the right thing, and, man, I mean, we all get jacked up at some time, right? We all make mistakes. We all have all kinds of stuff that's messed up about us. When they're, they're a Christian, you know why we're supposed to give them? Because they are useful. This, this is what Paul says. They are useful for Christ, even more so than just as a slave. He's actually more useful you, to you now. Usefulness has a different meaning for Paul than, than what it means for us. For somebody to be useful, I want you to think about this. Think about your usefulness. Think about how God is able to use you. Think about what you're, you're, you're being used for. Now, some people are like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm useful because I take care of my kids. I make sure that they got clean teeth and they do homework. Like, like that's, I'm useful in that regard, right? And Paul, I really believe, is trying to open our eyes a little bit to what it means to really be useful. As a Christian, as a Christ follower, we, we have a, a different level of being useful. And it's not just, 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 just going to work every day. It's not just going to school and making good grades. That's, that's not it. That's, that's not the end of it. I mean, you think about how pointless that would be if that was the extent of our usefulness? Like, it, it, what if I didn't have a great job? Or what if I didn't have a job at all? Am I not useful to God anymore? What if I make terrible grades? What if, what, what if I make all D's and F's, man? Am I not useful to God? And, and some of us have been in that, that place, right? We lost our jobs. We felt like, I mean, you feel like you're not useful to God a lot of times. You're like, man, this isn't glorifying God the way, the way I am. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. God can use you right where you are. God can, can, can transform situations around you so that maybe you're reaching somebody that's in detention with you. You know what I mean? Maybe there's somebody else that just lost their job and, and you want to tell them about how good and, and gracious God is, and how faithful God is, and you go, they go, well, what do you do for a living? I just lost my job. I just, I just lost my job, and I don't have one, and, and, and I'm telling you, man, God's good. He, he is phenomenal, and I love God, and he, he does amazing things in my heart and in my mind that, I, man, I don't, I don't get from a job. That you can still be useful to God no matter what your physical circumstances, your surroundings are. But I think it all boils down to doing the right thing, just like he's challenging Philemon to do. And he's trying to say, man, Onesimus is useful. He's a slave. Onesimus is a slave. And he's useful for the kingdom of God. He didn't have a real high-ranking status when it comes to, to, to jobs, did he? He was a slave. And Paul says, but he's useful. You know why he's useful? Because of Christ. Paul's like, and I'm in prison writing to you about this, how useful this guy is. Man, think about, think about the situation that Paul's in, being in prison, writing the saints. I'm in prison because of Christ, man, and I'm still 
he's still being useful, isn't he? He's still talking about the love of a father, and he's still talking about just how good God is, and, and he's trying to convey this message to Philemon. He's, he's really trying to pour out to him here. He says, so if you consider me a partner, verse 17, welcome him as you would welcome me. Oh, he didn't just say welcome him in your household. He says, welcome him as you would welcome me. As Paul's written these letters to all these churches and he's been preaching, starting up churches and all this kind of stuff, people would probably make a big deal when Paul came to town if you were a Christian. I know I would. If Paul walked in the door today at Simple Church, we'd probably let him sit on the front row. You know what I mean? Like, I would probably go, hey, Paul, I had a sermon planned. Do you mind seeing if you could wing it today? Hey, Paul, just, you know, share a few, few words with us. You got anything from God you'd like to say to us? You know what I mean? So it would have been a big deal when Paul came into town. He was this great and wonderful preacher and teacher and, and writing letters of encouragement to all these churches that are all messed up and and so he said, I don't want you to just greet him like you would any other church. I want you to greet him when he comes back home as this slave who's run away and maybe even stolen from you. When he comes back home, I want you to greet him the same way you would greet me. Yeah. Somebody said when I put my hands in my pockets, that's when it's about to get serious. When you offer forgiveness to somebody... When you finally can break down and stop being lazy and, and, and put your faith in action and say, you know what, I can't do it, but God can do it through me, that, 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 that my faith has the ability to do this. When you get ready to offer forgiveness to that person, you don't need to just treat them like another human being. You need to go above and beyond and treat them like Jesus Christ. You need to give them as much reverence and pour out as much love and deep compassion on them as if you would, as if Jesus Christ had been the one who had sinned against you. Kenny, that is ridiculous. That is plumb stupid. I'm telling you, that's exactly what the Bible is telling us to do. Because we want the same forgiveness, right? We want God to forgive us like that. We want when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin and our nastiness and our filth. We want him to see Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Well, we want him to see us as Jesus. Why is it when we forgive somebody, we don't want to see them as Jesus? Did me put my hands in my pocket? Did that hit home with you? That when you forgive, you're not supposed to forgive to the point where you just see them as another human being or another Christ follower. You're supposed to forgive to the point where you see them as Jesus Christ. And you welcome them in that way. Yeah, it's harder than just hard, isn't it? It's hard, hard. It's hard, hard, hard. Paul says, I want you to welcome him when he comes through the front door just like you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way and owes you anything, charge it to me. He says, I'll pay the price. Sounds like Jesus talking, doesn't it? Whatever, whatever penalty is to be paid, whatever is to be owed, I want you to put it on my account. Charge it to me. I'll pay it, whatever it is. Whatever he's taken from you, I'll pay it back. Don't worry about it. Paul, a lot of times, I have somebody write down stuff for him. I don't know if it's because he was in chains and maybe chained to a Roman soldier. He couldn't write as much. I don't know, but he took the pen from whoever was writing this stuff down, and he says, I, Paul, write this in my own hand. 
So typically, sometimes they just like sign the letter or put a P.S. down there, and this is me talking. I am saying, he, this is, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. He says, he says, I'll pay it back, and I won't mention the fact that, that you owe your very soul to me because of the gospel I shared with you. And everybody's like, man, that sounds very brash and like he's taking credit for the gospel. I don't believe it's that way. I, I don't believe it that way. I'm, I'm going to give you a real, y'all like when I give you real world ex, uh, examples, right? I'm going to give you a real world example right here. So you know I've been pushing this whole sign up and help us out with the kids ministry because, you know, my wife and Aaron Burchard, they almost never get to come in here and hear a sermon. That's the truth. I don't know how else to tell you that. I don't want to sugarcoat it. But the reason that, that they're over there is because there's not enough of us that will sign up to go do what they do. Okay? So that, this, this is in the real-world example that I'll give you. So people will come to me and say, Man, Kenny, thank you for being obedient to God. Thank you for, for starting this church, man. This is a place where I feel at home. This is where I feel like God has, has called me to be. I come in here and I can feel the Spirit of God moving. And, and, and man, we're challenged by the Word and the Word... Word just does amazing things. And I am so thankful for Simple Church and what, what God has impressed upon you to do at this place. I'm, man, I, I'm overwhelmed with joy when I come in here and I can just feel God speaking to me. And I go, man, that is amazing. I am so thankful that, that you're, you're, you're just experiencing what God has here at this place. And as partners, we're supposed to come together. We're supposed to team up for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to work hard together. Everybody's like, yeah, man, I'm on board. And I said, will you sign up to go work in the children's ministry? They go, No. I'm not doing that. Man, I am thankful for this place, and I love this place, but I'm not going to go work over there with those kids. And I go, man, I'm glad. I'm glad you like this place. I'm glad you like this place. Will you partner with us to help us and to push forward and so that other people can come and hear the message too? Like, no, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. That's your real-world example of what's going on here. He says, man, I'm not going to bring it up, the fact that, that I was out there sharing the gospel. I, I'm in chains, as a matter of fact, because I was sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. That's the reason you have the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ, Philemon. That's the reason you have it. It's because I, I was obedient. To, I'm asking you to be obedient to do the right thing, too. And He's trying to say, man, you owe me one a little bit, don't you? He says, whatever he owes you, I'll pay it back. I'll pay it back. Yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Not for my sake, for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. Now, there's been a million people try to guess what the even more is. Maybe they, some people say, well, maybe he's saying that he should be set free as a, fl a slave. I, I don't know. You know, there's been tons of people commentary. You can read a million commentaries. Everybody tell you something else, what he means by even more. The reality is, I don't know. He's saying, forgive and do even more than that. Offer forgiveness and do even more than that. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know what it means for the person that has hurt you, wronged you, whatever, that you need to forgive so that you can come into this place with a pure heart and worship the one true God. I don't know what that means for you, but, but here the example is to forgive and to do even more than that. 
Oh, this is where it gets, it gets really tense. He goes, one more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that God will answer my prayers and let me return to you soon. What? He says, oh, by the way, I'm coming to check. I, I'm confident you're going to do this. As a matter of fact, I'll be there soon, and I'll know one way or the other. I'll know one way or the other. And what does that mean to us? I think God's trying to say, I'll be there soon. I'll be there soon to check up on you. I'll be checking in on you. As a matter of fact, Christ is going to return, right? He's coming back one day. So can you imagine this for a second? And and I don't want to harp on this, but but this is like another example of what I just said. You know, so, so Christ returns and he goes, so when they asked you to help out in the kids' ministry, did you? Because all I do, I, I've been in here for two months now watching you, and you just come in here and seem indifferent to that. Or, or they asked you to help out in this regard. They asked you to cut the grass because it's waist high in the back. And did you? Did you? Can you imagine Christ coming through the door and seeing the level of service, seeing, seeing the level of, of what you have done in response to, to what God is doing here, you know, God just challenging you, you know, do this, do this, do this, and that's just sitting there doing nothing, being lazy. Or even in the area of forgiveness, right? In the area of forgiveness, he said, you imagine Jesus coming through the door and saying, we've been talking about forgiveness over and over and over again and here for over a year, man. It's like every third message has something to do with forgiving somebody who's hurt you, forgiving somebody. And Jesus walks through the door and he goes, you've heard it for over a year now. Have you done it? Have you responded? You know it wasn't just Kenny talking. You know it was Jesus Christ speaking right to your heart because you could feel the power of the Holy Spirit challenging you and convicting you. Have you done anything yet with that? Or have you just sat there and been lazy with it? Have you actually responded? Have you actually done anything about it? Have you put that faith in action when it comes to the area of forgiveness? Or have you just sat there? Epaphras, a fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends his greetings to you. So do Mark, Antiochus, Demas, Luke, and my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. Grace. Final, final sentence, final word in Philemon. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. That's, that's, what, that's what this book is about. It's about grace. And we want to be on the receiving end of it. We want to be the recipients of grace, but we don't often want to give it. God says, be full of grace and even much more. Go beyond just being full of forgiveness. So what about you? Have you been active with your faith? Have you been forgiving as God has shown you need to forgive? Or have you been spiritually lazy and just said, nah, it's not for me. It's too hard. Let me pray. Father, thank you, God, for this word. Thank you, God, for the testimony of Paul and the fact that he was in chains and wrote this letter to a fellow brother. God, all indications are that this man in Colossae, he had, he had a house church. And, and man, they were, there were people there and they were worshiping you. And yeah, that's like us here. This is just a house church that got too big for a house. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would, uh, 
We would be, as Paul challenged Philemon to be, we would be people that would be full of grace and full of mercy. God, even so that we would be much more. God, as you have forgiven us, may we also forgive those who have hurt us. God, it's not easy, and I know that it's hard. God, but I believe you challenge us to do hard things. God, I believe that the flesh wants to do what's easy, but the Spirit wants to do what's hard. So, Lord, I pray, God, that we would be people that simply do, as Paul stated, we just do the right thing. So, Lord, however you've called us to forgive, however you've called us to give grace and mercy to those that don't deserve it, God, I pray that we would do that and much more. So, Lord, the person here that's struggling with forgiveness, I pray that they would come and they would fall down maybe and just weep and say, God, I need your help. I don't have the strength to do it myself. There's no ability within me, God, but I have faith in you and I know that you are capable. So, Lord, I trust in that. Lord Jesus, I pray for the hurting soul in here. God, maybe they don't know your grace and they don't know your mercy. And, God, they, they, they've just never, never fully surrendered to you. It was... It was there, and it's available to them all the time, but they just never had their eyes open to it. They never surrendered to it. And because of that, they're not a Christian. They're not a Christ follower. God, I pray for that soul. I pray that you would draw them to you. God, you'd open their eyes and break their hearts, and God, just show them that the only way, the only way, God, that they can be people filled with grace is if they are grace-filled themselves. God, that they can only offer grace if they have grace in their hearts. Lord, I pray, God, that we would just be the people that you called us to be and respond to you accordingly. In Jesus' holy name I do pray. Amen. Everyone please stand.